0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What a weekend we just experienced in sports. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Daily Intermission Podcast, Season 3, Episode 39. It's Greg, your host. I'm in studio. And I mean, what an unbelievable viewing weekend it was in the sports world with the waste management starting on Thursday, with the Super Bowl obviously on Sunday, some NHL action, the UFC fights were insane. It was just an unbelievable weekend to be a sports fan. Those ones you do not take for granted. Those are the ones, hopefully, you had some time to sit down on the couch and just enjoy what the sports world had to bring. But ladies and gentlemen, the pregame show is brought to you by Manscaped. Listen, listen. This is the best tools for your family jewels worldwide, used by over 7 million men. I mean, it is unbelievable. Listen, it's Valentine's Day is tomorrow. I should say, happy Valentine's Day, I guess today, for the listeners. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to read the poem again, but you remember the poem from the last episode? Let's get into it. Roses are red, violets are blue. We love shaved balls, and so should you. They want to make a petition to... Make February the 13th today when I'm recording National Shave Your Balls Day. Listen, over 700, over 7 million menus, Manscaped worldwide. So go check it out. Use the code TDI at Manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping. Uh, it's a tremendous product. Like I said, they've sent us the kits. The lot more 4.0 it gets me, you know, cleaned up, groomed up. It's unbelievable. So make sure you're going over to Manscaped and checking out. And honestly, if you haven't seen the John Daly uh, commercial, Uh, with the manscaped, (laughs) him and his son have one of the funniest ads, um, in regard to manscaped, so go check that out. Um, but yeah, code TDI manscaped.com 20% off. All right, we've got a lot to get into, as I discussed earlier. It was a content machine, and obviously, we're going to start things off in quarter one with the Super Bowl. What a game! Quarter two, we've got some NBA, NHL for you. Quarter three, a lot of golf. A lot of golf talk. And then in quarter four, we're going to talk about the UFC fights, what went down, and what we've got to look forward to. But ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl 57, Arizona, Chiefs, Eagles. It was incredible, man. Absolutely insane. And we kicked things off with Chris Stapleton and his long hair and his beard and his Fender guitar and did an amazing anthem. I thought it was tremendous. Nick Sirianni's bawling. It revved me up. I was ready to rock and roll. Um, then we go to the coin toss. The Chiefs win the toss with tails. As I said, tails never fails. And and uh, we're off and running. They defer, so the Eagles get the ball. And the Eagles look ready to rock. They drive the field. Things are moving and grooving. Hertz ends up punching it in. I know Kenneth Gainwell, um, he ran it in, but he was short on the one. So Hurts, as he did most of the game, got the yard that he needed. And uh, 7 nothing. you know. We're like, okay, you know, the, the Eagles are certainly here to play. Let's see what uh let's see what the Chiefs have. They get the ball, boom, drive the whole field. Uh Pacheco, huge run. Kelsey on a wheel route to cap it off 7-7. Both offenses are here to play. I mean, this is what a way to start off. First possession each team, touchdowns. And from the players, you expected you knew Hertz was going to be heavily involved with his legs. And uh, and Kelsey just nearly unguardable. They do such a great job in that Chiefs offense of finding that guy, and uh, it, it, you know creating space for, for Travis Kelsey. It's just a lot of it is play calling. Um, there was a wheel, There was a rollout by Patrick Mahomes at one point during the game. It was a fake rollout, so everybody took a step to the rollout side and then reversed field. It was an unbelievable play. It, I, some of the play calling by the Kansas City Chiefs offense was just phenomenal during that game. But 7-7 ball game, the Eagles get the ball back, and A.J. Brown burns two DBs on a corner route. It was almost a post-corner route. Beautifully thrown ball by Jalen Hurts. They go up 14-7. Chiefs get the ball back. They punt. The Eagles are driving again. You're like, okay, the Eagles have a stranglehold on this. They're moving the ball with ease, but Jalen hurts fumbles middle linebacker, Nick Bolton for the Kansas city chiefs picks it up and takes it back to the house A 14, 14 game. And this was an early kind of turning point in the game. I mean, who knows? Obviously the shoulda, coulda, woulda's, but who knows what this game looks like if Hertz doesn't fumble that ball. I honestly haven't played that footage back yet in in regard to how he dropped that ball. It looked weird to me. Um, but nevertheless, Nick Bolton takes it back 14 14. Hertz. So one game one one thing that was very evident during this game, and, and Greg Olson and, and Kevin Burkhardt, I must say, I thought they did a great job, and Greg Olson made it Very obvious and, uh, you know, explain it in detail very well that on third down, you can you can normally tell if a team or an offensive coordinator or head coach is going to be comfortable going on a fourth down for or due to the third down play call. So the Eagles were running a lot on on third down and on third and five and, and third and four, and that just was kind of you know reinforcing the fact that they were playing four down ball. And I mean, why would you why would you not play four down ball with this offense? I mean, Jalen Hurts, a guy who squats six hundred pounds, as your quarterback who is just an absolute freak. He was he's I know Brady's kind of renowned as the QB sneak king, but I mean, Jalen Hurts is certainly he was a machine in that uh, in that fourth. Fourth and one, fourth and short um, play calling. But uh, anyway, they in the fourth down, they get a big fourth down on this next drive. It's Ted 14 14 at this, time, at this time. They get it down to the end zone. He punches in another one for his second touchdown of the game, 21 14. Next drive for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes rolls his ankle and he's in extreme pain on third down. They ended up punting away. Um, and people, and you're starting to think, I mean, what's You know, is Patrick Mahomes all right? You know, is he going to come back? Obviously, he's going to come back. He, he's a tough dude, but. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, uh, as they punt that ball the way, Elliott goes down to make it 24-14 at the half. But what a half it was to start off the game. Eagles were dominant. They dominated in 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 time of possession. And just even Jalen Hurts was was just looking like an absolute machine. That rollout pass, when he dodged Frank Clark and rolled out to his left and threw across his body, like that is an extremely hard throw. If you're a right-handed thrower... When you roll out to your right, it's much easier to throw. When you're rolling out to your left, think about this. It is just, it's very awkward. You have to get depth and run downhill, which did fantastic. Got a shoulder around and found Zach Pascal for the first down. It was an unbelievable play. I mean, I was extremely impressed with Jalen Hurts' this game. I don't think I gave him enough credit. Um and I think that uh you know he's he def- definitely has an opportunity to be you know top 5 quarterback in the NFL if he continues on the trajectory and continues to to build on the season that he had this year. Um but yeah 24 14 and a half with the ankle with the Mahomes ankle Chiefs fans they had to be worried um but then you had Rihanna come out. For me one of the better halftime shows I think I've you know from recent history for a few reasons one Rihanna has massive hits. Every song she played, everybody knew almost word for word. It was such a banger of a concert. And two, the choreography was, I don't even know if I said that word correctly, Uh, but it was choreographed very well. And I didn't think it was over the top. Like you remember The Weeknd, which was just so obnoxious. The choreograph. It was choreographed just tremendously, and and I thought that uh, it wasn't over the top by any means. She's pregnant, so she had a big red suit on. She looks just phenomenal. I thought Rihanna was just, I thought the halftime show was almost perfect um, in in, in regard to the choreography. I'm hoping that's a word. If not, you guys are just going to be beaking the wheels off me. Um, but, and just the song list that she played, obviously Disturbia wasn't played at all. Had that uh, as first song, but I know Jack Archer, um, Chalkboard Captain, uh, was on Bitch Better Have My Money as the first song, and it certainly was. Uh, so yeah, Rihanna, I thought it was just an awesome halftime show. No uh, guest appearances. I, like when There was a few times throughout that concert when songs were revving up. That I was like, oh, here we go. And she was, there was at one point, I forgot what song she was singing, but she was walking towards the middle of the stage. And then there was like a band and I was like, someone's coming here because she did a lot of the songs that she did sing. I would say four or five of them were songs where she featured in, um, where there were some big names with her. And I know Kanye probably wasn't going to make an appearance, but Jay-Z potentially Eminem. I guess she didn't sing an Eminem song, but she does a lot of uh, collabs. I thought Rihanna, I thought it was really good. Um, and I, I really have nothing bad to say. And obviously, it's not, it, that's a bonus. I know a lot of people watch the Super Bowl, and that's like maybe the only football game they'll watch all year. Uh, but Rihanna was certainly a bonus to the game um with the 24-14 halftime shell and then we move into the second half and my question for you is what do we think Patrick Mahomes took or what do you think he injected at the halftime because he came out and he, he ran for a first down in that in that drive after the uh, half and pff, he looked pretty good they drive Isaac Pacheco punches it in it's 24-21 and we got ourselves a ball game Eagles get the ball back. They drive. Jake Elliott kicks the field goal at 27-21. and this is kind of where things really start to shift in the Chiefs' direction. So the Chiefs drives drive again, and then this is the first time I've I think I've seen this play run. But they've got their two speedy wideouts in Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney. And Kadarius Toney, he runs a fake jet sweep. So what a jet sweep is, for all the people who are maybe not as versed in football, it's when a wide receiver or a slot back comes across the field either in front or behind of the quarterback and they get like a either a handoff or a pitch as they're flying across the field. It's a jet sweep. Um and so he faked the jet sweep, Kadarius Tony. So he starts sprinting in from the wide, uh, from the wide receiver position, and then just halts and he runs kind of an out towards the end zone catches the ball wide open, the, the The defense just shifted as as the jet sweep was happening or, or the fake jet sweep was happening. Fake jet sweeps, don't get me wrong, they, they're implemented a lot in, in uh, the NFL. It's just not oftentimes we see the guy faking the jet sweep stop and run a route uh, on that same side of the field. So that was a tremendous play call. They go up 28-27. Um, and then the Eagles get the ball back, three and out, punt, and Kadarius Toney has a unbelievable punt return. He takes it down to the five and you're like, oh my goodness. Skymore on the other side of the field runs the exact same play. A fake jet sweep out. It's like unbelievable, wide open again and it's 35-27 Chiefs and, uh, and that, you know, you feel like, okay, you know, the Chiefs are rolling, the Eagles, you know, they haven't gotten things completely established like they did in the first half but the Eagles go down and they drive the field and Jalen Hurts, Puts the team on his back. Punches in his third touchdown of the game. What do they do for the two-point conversion to try to tie the game up? They run it with Jalen Hurts. Tie game, 35-35. I think there's five minutes left in the clock. The Chiefs are getting the ball, and the Chiefs are driving. Now, this is when, obviously, it's controversy city. It is controversy city here because the Chiefs are driving, it's third down, and Mahomes tries to throw her out to Juju Smith-Schuster. And... Defensive back cornerback on the Eagles James Bradbury gets called for holding blew up you're all familiar with this call and it was obviously it's it sucks because the outcome of the Super Bowl will be ju- will be hindered by the fact that this call is is in the court of public opinion do I think it was a hold yes do I think it was enough of a hold to be called in that situation of the of a game of that magnitude? No. So that's I think that's a difference. And I I know it's I know it's a rule and, and that's how the game's called, but I think that it should be called a little bit differently because it's the Super Bowl. And that might be just outrageous. And that certainly could be debated on. Uh, but we see it oftentimes in other sports in the NBA and NHL when the playoffs come around, they're 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 just refed a little bit differently uh because of the magnitude of these games. It's just unfortunate because obviously that gave them the first down. They took two knees. They ran down the clock and Bucker. So what it did essentially was it made for an opportunity for the Eagles to go down and drive and win the game or the Eagles to go down and kick a field goal and tie the game to just wind down the clock in the last two minutes and Bucker kicked the field goal with no time left. So it really took a lot of the dramatics out of the game, which is unfortunate. But as we know, Harrison Bucker kicks the field goal as they wind the clock down after the penalty call. And they win thirty eight to thirty five. Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl MVP in his first five years in the league. He's been to five straight AFC championships. He's a two, two two time Super Bowl champion, two time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, what else can you say about Patrick Mahomes? He's an absolute freak, and he's 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 close to being an all time great. And he hasn't. He's twenty seven years old. It's just it's it's so unbelievable what this guy does uh, week after week and season after season, season in the NFL and um you know Travis Kelsey is is uh you know second all time in receiving touchdowns in in playoff history uh it's it's really special to watch and um you know I've got I've got a great appreciation for what they're doing right now um what a game um but yeah it, it sucks that the the ref had to you know throw the flag and and uh, there's it's not really something you could challenge because you know Bradbury even said it in his interview I grabbed his jersey and it looked like it at two different times during the route it looked like right off the get-go he kind of you know had there was a little bit of holding going on and then as soon as he kind of took a step past Bradbury grabbed his hip and jersey um but like I said you know in the rules of you know in the guidelines of the rule book I think it's a penalty in the magnitude of the game I don't think it's a penalty and you can argue like those aren't two different things. I personally do think that the rules do change a little bit in the, in the, in the big games um, because that, you know, inevitably decided the outcome and really we lost a lot of dramatics due to the call, but all in all uh, it was a phenomenal, an instant classic to me, just an absolute beautiful football game, tons of points, tons of great play. Jalen hurts. What a, a tremendous game oh man, it was just, uh, it was phenomenal. Dallas Goddard had some great catches. The offense and the Eagles looked great, and, and so did the offense and the Chiefs, obviously. And um, You know, the, both teams were incredible, and uh, it just, it, it sucks that we have to talk about the ref and the holding call on Bradbury, but all in all, the Chiefs are Super Bowl 57 champions, and now we uh, we look forward to the draft and the offseason and everything um, that comes with the NFL. and That's the best thing about the NFL is that, um, you know, we're not, we'll are not we have a few weeks of downtime, but then we're gearing up for the draft and then we're gearing up for free agent signings and then we're gearing up for, you know, it, it, it moves quickly. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like too long ago. We're talking about week one, but I mean, I, I loved it. Loved every minute of it and will continue to just to be the biggest NFL fan going. I thought just the play calling on the Chiefs was just, it's just so tremendous, and and uh, obviously the the talent of Patrick Mahomes is, uh, you know, he's 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 the guy to beat right now. So Chiefs win, Eagles fans. I'm sorry, I know Petrie's listening, and that guy is definitely having a breakdown today. But I'm thinking about you, bud. All right, we're moving into quarter two, ladies and gentlemen. It's the NBA and NHL. I kind of packed these two in today uh, together because uh, I thought the golf deserved a full quarter today, and I thought the UFC uh, deserved a full quarter today. So interesting news here. I, obviously, I talked about a last episode with the trade deadline in the NBA and what Russell Westbrook finding a new home in Utah. It sounds like Utah is going to buy him out, um, which would make Russell Westbrook a free agent. And Paul George right now you know, came out to the media and said he'd be a great fit uh, with the Clippers. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there with Ross. Uh, obviously, it's been and it's just been a roller coaster for that guy. Um, his name has been dragged through the mud heavily uh, over the last few years, and he's just changed homes a ton. Um, you know what's he been to? Uh, Ross has been to uh, OKC. Did he go to Houston, Washington, LA, and now Utah? <laughs> it's just been. You got, the guy has just been a suitcase in the last few years, so uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor that front. Russell Westbrook, it sounds like he's going to be bought out by the Utah Jazz, and he will be finding a new home as a free agent. Zion Williamson. This guy has re-injured his hamstring. He'll be missing at least three more weeks, and I wanted to talk about Zion during the NBA because are we dealing with a case? Uh, i I mean, I'm not sure if we label him a bust because in the games that he has played, he's been phenomenal. But he's only he played 85 games in his first two seasons. He missed the entire 21-22 season. And then this year he's only played, I think, 26 games out of the 50 some that they've played. So he's just he is an absolute bandit. He can't stay healthy. His weight's an issue at times. But when he plays, he's a phenomenal he's one of the better players in the league. It sucks. Zion Williamson I just don't know where he'll what you know what will his career be remembered by if he can't get these injury issues taken care of and I mean I don't know with a guy of that stature and I I, do you think it's a like is this is this the type of guy that you might have to to think it's okay listen let's get you down to like 220 pounds like let's go through a full on diet like mobility makeover because clearly his training regimen right now isn't isn't beneficial. It's not working. Because if you're missing, you know, over half of your games during your four-year career at this point, a full season. I don't think there's got to be something addressed. And and you know, it's uh it's been it's been tough to watch at times and it's tough to follow, but uh Zion Williamson out in the, for the for, for the foreseeable future, which sucks because the Pelicans are a really strong team and and they're a fun team to watch. Um I thought they've made a lot of great moves. And uh, was Zion in that lineup, they're they're one of the better teams in the West. But without him, still a good team, but they're not obviously as good as they could be. Scottie Pippen had an interesting interview this week. Uh, came out and was talking about, obviously, the LeBron James-Michael Jordan chatter has been loud due to the fact that LeBron James passed Kareem last week to be the leading scorer. And Scottie Pippen said it, it's unfair to, to compare the two of them um, due to the fact that Michael was a pure scorer, and a lot of the things that lebron's asked to do is scotty pippen was uh, played that role and so it's interesting um you know he said as like a ball distributor um you know that was pippen's role and and um you know jordan was more renowned for his scoring ability and his defending ability and he said that he would take michael jordan over lebron any day of the week which There might be some bias in that opinion. Uh, Scottie Pippen obviously played with Michael and won six championships with Michael, but it was an interesting interview and you should go check it out if you haven't listened. But uh, you know, obviously it's, it's fun to listen to, you know, some of the greats that have played in the NBA talk about, you know, the, the comparisons of the two, you know, I would rather listen to Scottie Pippen or like a Kyrie Irving, you know, kind of hash it out. Not maybe not Kyrie, but even like a Dwayne Wade and, and Scottie Pippen hash out, uh, the greatness of the two of them, rather than like Max Cullerman and, and Stephen A. Smith, because these guys, you know, had had firsthand accounts on, you know, how they play, how they prepare, you know, what it was like on the floor. And obviously, everyone has the eye test, and and everybody can can make their own opinion. And that's all that will be and ever will be when we're talking about greatest of all time is just completely arbitrary. Um, but it was definitely an interesting interview. So the NBA, obviously, is going to come down. It's going to wind down. We get the All-Star break this weekend, uh, February 19th. Um, So I'll preview that on Friday with the dunk contest, the three-point contest. A lot of fun events in the NBA All-Star game. Um, And then we'll have the draft that day. Uh, The game isn't as fun as as, uh, the the All-Star events are, but still looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice break for the NBA players. And then things obviously start to ramp up towards the playoffs. All right. Switching gears into the NHL, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Kane. It was he was verbally upset this week uh, after the Vladimir Tarasenko trade to the New York Rangers. It sounded like Patrick Kane. You know he he that was you know the the Rangers were at the top of his list, and and you know he holds all the cards. Obviously, he's got a no trade clause in Chicago, and if he is going to be moved, he will. Most likely, uh, have a lot of the power. If Chicago decides, that hundred percent, they're moving them. That Patrick Kane will have the power to say where, or at least a short list of teams to wear. Um, but it's, it, he's available, and and I, I mean, we all know what, what what Showtime brings to the table. He's he's phenomenal, and and um, he would be obviously a huge addition for any team looking to make the cup. And um, I think that uh, that I mean, I don't want to say Boston but like Carolina might be a team, but is Carolina a market that he would go to? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Patrick Kane. And obviously these next two weeks in the NHL are going to be massive because there's going to be a lot of moving parts, a lot of teams stacking up because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of top end talent, a lot of top end teams in the NHL that have an opportunity to win the cup. And uh, there's a lot of nice pieces available. Saturday night. It was interesting as the UFC fights are going on, as the golf's concluding, Jacob Chickren sat out. A lot of rumors starting to be, you know, shifted around Edmonton, Toronto, L.A., Boston. Well, it came out a little bit later on that Edmonton and Toronto were definitely out on Jacob Troukhin, so that kind of sparked rumors about Boston and and. Um, in LA and, and it's interesting I mean Jacob Checker and this guy's been available it seems like for a year and a half and, and was this a tactic by the Arizona Coyotes to sit him out and to kind of bring in some other suitors to understand okay you know he's being close to being moved if we were if we're going to have a shot at this guy we got to get in on it now I'm not sure because he was sat out Saturday and here we are on Monday morning and he still hasn't been moved so it's going to be interesting to see where this guy goes obviously he's an offensive guy he's, uh, he's you know he's his shots on goal machine he can he can bring a lot of offense from, uh, from your decor. Um, I didn't know, obviously Boston was kind of in that Saturday night rumor and I didn't know if it made a ton of sense, uh, for Boston. Obviously I know that, um, that Jim Montgomery loves his offensive defenseman or he just loves his defenseman to be more offensive. I just didn't know. Um, you know, he seems like a, like a Hampus Lindholm uh, comparable. Um, so we'll see what happens there with Jacob chicken. it sounds like that, uh, obviously if you followed the world juniors, um, Brent Clark, number five for team Canada, uh, would be in that deal going back to Arizona, which would be a nice piece for Arizona. I think he's going to be a solid offensive defenseman um, as the years go on. So that'll be an aim to to keep note of. I, I, I would expect that his he will be dealt in the next few days if they're holding him out already. Uh, I know they play tonight, Monday. So if, well, if he gets held out again tonight, I'm, I'm assuming in the next few days, if not today after I record, because that seems to be a popular trend is after I record, um, players get moved. But Jacob Chikrin, we'll see what happens with him. The Los Angeles Kings have retired Dustin Brown's number twenty three. Dustin Brown, obviously a phenomenal player there for a long time, two cup, uh, two Stanley, two times Stanley Cup champion, uh, was the captain there for a while. They ended up stripping it and giving it to Kopitar. I don't think he was uh, that upset about it, but you know, obviously, a, you know, a great player. Um, definitely had some Olympic appearances for the United States, and and uh, yeah, so Dustin Brown's number twenty three will be retired and was retired uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, another interesting name on the trade market right now that is making some serious moves is Eric Carlson. He sits fourth in the league, certainly the Vesna front runner, and he's just having just a massive year in, in San Jose. But the issue was here with Eric Carlson is that he makes 11 and dollars per season. So the San Jose sharks were all well aware. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL and they, plan to be bad for you know years to come I would say that they are in they're one of a f- you know a few teams that are in the full on scrap this thing down to the bare bones and build it back up um, they're really doing an old school rebuild, uh, and that's why we could see guys like Timo Meyer, forward they have there, and Eric Carlson be moved. But obviously, the challenge is with the hard cap in the NHL. Where where can Eric Carlson fit? Well, they're going to have to retain some money. Well, how much money? Well, so there's a there's a lot of moving parts in in regard to you know how or where Eric Carlson will be able to move to. But it sounds like the Oilers are interested, and um, I mean, that obviously would be a massive addition for the Edmonton Oilers, but what would they have to give up? Could they make it a three-team trade? Could they bring in another team to try to eat some cap? What does that look like? So obviously another name that we will be patiently waiting on to find a new home, if he does find a new home, is Eric Carlson, because he will instantly make a difference for any NHL team. Um, I did want to say, make note of Connor McDavid is about to hit the hundred mark, hundred point mark. He's got ninety-seven points through fifty-four games. I think he has a three-point game his next game. So I'll be on the over one point five or over two point five points or over one point five uh, points in his next game. Um, so Connor McDavid, obviously a name to look out for, um, or in, in his next game, he'll. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous hundred points for fifty-five games. This guy is just unbelievable. Um, I know I talk about it frequently on the podcast about how much I enjoy watching Connor McDavid, but he is certainly, if you don't watch him much, I mean, stay up late one night or just try to tune into an Edmonton Oilers game because every shift he's out there, he just is just the most talented NHL player. Yeah, so we look forward to it. Obviously, trades will be happening. I'm assuming uh, on Friday, on Friday's episode, I'll have some more trade news, but uh, the NHL obviously just picking back up after the uh, All-Star break, some teams, uh, just getting back uh, after some big vacations, so this is a, it's crunch time in the NHL. Um, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we've got you know just over a month and a half uh, before the playoffs start, so it's crunch time. There's going to be some fun races. I mean, not as fun as it could be with the one to eight one to eight seating, but it's going to be a content machine. The NHL and NBA. So let's gear up for the for the final stretches before the playoffs. That'll conclude quarter two, and we are moving into quarter three unbelievable week in golf. It felt at times like a major to me. And a lot of you listeners might think that that's obnoxious to say. It really felt like that at times to me, the waste management, the fans are electric, the 20,000 people in the 16th hole. It had a lot of buzz in Arizona. A lot of the NFL interviews that I was listening to a lot of the NFL content, a lot of people talking about the waste management open. A lot of the players talking about how the vibe is just so, so good there. TPC Scottsdale, just a phenomenal track. I mean, that course is just unreal. I, I loved, I loved the golf viewing. Uh, so obviously on Thursday we had the frost delay. It kind of delayed the, uh, the spark of it, but Scotty Scheffler ends up winning. Obviously uh, he holds off Canadian Nick Taylor and John Rahm in the final round. He is just, when he gets going and he has a lead, he, he's a full on closer. It's like we've seen it. This is his fifth win in, in, you know, the last year, I guess, a full calendar year. Cause this was his first win last year to kickstart his run. Um, he's just, he's just a machine. He's just got that even keel. He just is kind of a nice goofy guy and he is just lights out. And he said he didn't have his a game. Like he was blowing his driver a little bit, but I mean, his irons are just so phenomenal and his putting tremendous, it, it was a really fun, just fu- full week to watch. I mean, the names, too, that were on the leaderboard at times, Xander Shoffley, and you had Justin Thomas, and Jordan, Justin Thomas had the big Sunday, but Jordan Spieth was around. Ricky Fowler, J- Jason Day was back in the mix. I mean, it was just a really fun week at the Waste Management, and I mean, we didn't have any aces, but... I'm really proud of Nick Taylor. Obviously, coming second, uh, didn't get it done. Finishes two strokes behind at 17-under, but he wins $2.1 million for the runner-up. His obviously his biggest payday on tour, and that'll that'll accumulate a lot of points for that guy. And uh, Even Adam Hadwin on Saturday, he was on the first page of the leaderboard in the top three and played with John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. Uh, so the two Canadians got to, got to be paired with those two in the final two days, and they just both hung in there, especially Nick Taylor. I mean, it, it, what a tremendous pressure that would be, um, you know, hanging in there with, with with two of the best in the game. And it just it was just a fun viewing event this week. So congrats to Scotty Scheffler on winning his second straight waste management open. And returning to the world number one. Oh gosh, we have ourselves I'm a little disappointed by the way, because if you don't remember last podcast, or I guess it would have been a week ago, I was either on between I was deciding between Scotty Scheffler and Xander Shoffley. Went with Xander Shoffley didn't didn't go my way. Uh, I went with Xander Schauffler instead of Scotty Shuffler, but we've got Scotty Scheffler for a tournament down the road. So um that uh that feels good. It feels like Scotty Shuffler is gonna contend in a major, so it just depends on which one. Tiger Woods announced he is returning to golf for the first time since 2020. Obviously, he's played in the PNC championship and he's played in the different matches, but he we haven't seen him play in an actual PGA tour tournament since 2020. So, or did he play last year in the majors? I don't think. Anyway, regardless, he's back and he's going to be playing at the Genesis Open, his tournament at Riviera Golf Club. It's another elevated event. So obviously we'll have all the big names coming back. We've got the Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schalfes, Colin Morikawa, Spieth, Thomas. I mean, you name it. All of the big guns are coming back, Rory, and uh, it's going to be exciting. So we've got another elevated event this week. It's at Riviera Golf Course. And if you're unfamiliar with the Riviera Golf Course, I think... Um, you'll remember by the very weird, almost white branchy trees. Number one is that it's the short, one of the shortest power fives on tour. It's with a cart path that they all drive it near and it's eagled all the time. It's one of the easiest power fives in the course. And then number 10 is the power four, drivable power four that they play the playoffs on. You remember Max Homa and Tony Fina were in a playoff, uh, last year, uh, at that, uh, at that event and they played number 10. Um, but anyway, it's just a phenomenal golf course. It's really fun. Uh, some things to note that obviously there's the drivable par four 10th, and then obviously the easiest par five and number one, but there's eight par fours that are over 450 yards. Some, some things that we're looking at are bombers. Bombers obviously will have, you know, an easier time attacking at these these par fours. Uh, it's not a go low event. Uh, I guess it would have been two years ago, Homa and Fina won in the puff. Cause if it was you Neiman, I don't love talking about the live guys, but last year went uh, toe to toe, uh, a wire to wire last year, you Neiman at Riviera, but a lot of long par fours, eight of them over 450 yards. So we're looking at guys that, uh, you know, have play you know, either a long tee ball or very accurate uh, or relatively accurate from that 200 yards to 175 yard distance. Um, so I'm not giving out my picks anymore because it seems like my picks are always chalky and they're a chalk, the chalk city on the, uh, on the, uh, run your pool. So, so as I, you know, the next few weeks, try to take over that number one position in the pool. I'm going to refrain from giving out my pick. I know who I'm picking. Uh, I'm excited about this event. Obviously the return of Tiger Woods, it's not tiger, but I, I will be following Tiger obviously religiously. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a very tough golf course. This is a this if you finish the tournament between 10 and 15 under you'll win. That's how challenging it is. The cut is always over par. I think it's been the cut was at even in 2015 and 2004. The rest has been over par. So, obviously a very fun tournament coming this week. And again, the golf Excuse me. The golf world does not... The content does not end there. We've got the Netflix show starting this week, Full Swing. So we'll do a breakdown on that every episode. We'll talk about each episode. We'll talk about what the fun things were. So I highly recommend... I highly recommend if you are a Netflix user, watch the Full Swing because I will I will be talking about it and breaking it down. All right, folks. Quarter four. The last run. Last quarter of the episode. And we had UFC 284 in Perth, Australia. And I I'll be I'll be fully transparent here. I was fairly banged up Saturday night, and I was watching this, and I was loving it. So I'll start off in the main card. Obviously, there's a lot of names and a lot of different fights, and they come at you fast when you when you're having a few pints on a Saturday night watching the UFC. It's late at night too. So, uh, della uh, della Madalena, Australian guy, fought Randy Brown, and this was the third final fight on the on the card, and it was a phenomenal fight. Uh, this della Mandalena. He is a guy that I'm going to circle to watch more frequently because he was a machine. Um, but he ends up kind of hitting Randy Brown with a left hook, drops him, ends up choking him out in the first round. Obviously, the crowd goes wild. He's from Perth, Australia. So he's the guy to watch. And then the second, the co-main event, we had Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett fighting for the featherweight belt, which was vacant due to the fact that Alexander Volkanovsky went up to lightweight to fight Islam, which we'll get into, was on the same card. So for the interim belt, Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett fought. Yair, what an interest he had. Obviously this Josh Emmett guy is almost like a, a like a... Uh, a ball of, I don't even know, what, just a muscle ball almost. He, a bald guy with a beard who just has tremendous power. And Year Rodriguez comes in, this skinny, skinny Mexican guy. And you're like, okay, it looks like Emmett would kick this guy's ass, but Year comes in and chops him up. Absolutely chops him up, switching stances, ends up getting him in a triangle choke. So I'll try to explain this. So Year was on his back, Emmett was on his feet. Year took him in like a triangular motion with his legs and his arms and choked him anyway it's a he choked him all with his legs it was a it was a cool, cool finish I'd never seen it Um but Islam or sorry but year ends up beating Josh Emmett wins the interim belt and then we move on to the pound for pound two best fighters in the UFC Islam machika versus Alexander Volkanovsky and really we haven't seen Islam been challenged like been challenged through his fights I mean he just Kick the wheels out of, kick beat the wheels off uh, Charles Oliveira to get the belt, and and this guy he looks unstoppable. Obviously, very close, almost a brother like figure to Habib uh, Nurmagomedov, and uh, that was butchered. And um, very he was coached by uh, by Habib's dad as well. So obviously, there's connections there with the Dagestan folks. But this was a great fight, man, And Volkanovsky, man. And this guy, when, when Islam takes guys down, it's not often they're getting back up. And there was that one round, I think it was the third where, uh, or second, where uh, Islam did take down Volkanovski. It might have been the first, and uh, he couldn't get back up. But for the rest of the fight, he got back up when they were a bit tired. Both of them extremely well-conditioned. I mean, they had high pace the entire five rounds. Goes to a decision, Islam and still, Islam Macheikov wins the belt, holds the belt. But they might have to run it back because Volkanovski, it, it felt like he was right in that fight. It felt like he almost knocked him out in that final round. Or, you know, if that if there was more rounds, it looked like he was kind of tilting towards Volkanovski. But I thought it was a tremendous fight. Um, and if you're not a big UFC fan, I highly recommend you get into it. Um, it is a very entertaining sport. Um, you know, these guys are just freak athletes. They train their nuts off. Like They sacrifice... Things that you couldn't even imagine to get to this stage. And they go in and fight. It's just so entertaining to watch. Uh, I've, I really enjoyed that card. Um, but in two weeks time, we've got John Jones, the renowned GOAT, brother of Chandler and Arthur Jones. Chandler obviously still in the NFL. Arthur, retired NFLer fighting Cyril Gane in a heavy, heavyweight bout. I mean, that's just going to be a tremendous match. So March 4th, we've got John Jones versus Cyril Gane. And then obviously later on in March, we've got um, Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards, their third fight for the belt. So it's just, Dana White does a, a great job at promoting fights and matching up just phenomenal matchups that people want to watch. And uh, it, it's just been unbelievable. So it was a great, great weekend in Perth, Australia. The fans were great. You had... Um, Gosh, I I forget the heavyweight's name from Australia, but doing shoeies and um, you know just just a a lot of a lot of um, you know big names at the UFC event, and obviously this cocaine bear movie that they're they're uh, they're coming out with. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how much they paid, but I I, they were advertised on every fight. I mean, well, just I I I just anyway, unbelievable. But uh, but listen, folks. It was a phenomenal weekend. I appreciate you guys listening. You know, share it with a friend. Make sure you're on the social medias. Make sure you're liking and sharing and leave a comment. Leave a uh, leave a review. Um, it's uh, it's been my pleasure. So listen, everybody, have a fantastic week. We've got another great week of sports coming. It's uh, it's uh, it's been a fun one. So listen, everybody, enjoy your weeks. We'll catch you next time.